I'm going to begin my ministry by telling you about a young man who graduated from college. He went down to the, he was getting ready to graduate, he went down to the local dealership, and he saw that sports car, the one with the engine, the one that could move, the one with the leather, the one with the convertible. And his dad was successful. He was a good businessman, made some good choices, and the son knew he could afford this automobile. He called his dad. He said, Dad, you know, all I want for my graduation is this little sports car. So the son kept on waiting for a sign that his father purchased this automobile. Finally, on the morning of the graduation, his father called him into the, his private study. He just told his son what a fine man he was. He told his son how proud he was of him. And as the dad handed him this beautiful wrap box, the son was somewhat curious, but he was disappointed. He knew that that sports car couldn't fit into that little box, but he decided to unwrap it. And in it was a lovely Bible. It was leather bound. It was embroidered with his name on it in gold. He looked at his father, and anger raised in his voice. He said, with all the money that you have, with all the stocks and bonds, you buy me a Bible. He slammed it down, and he left that house. And he didn't return. He raised his own family. He made a successful business. He grew older. And as he did grow older, he began to think of his dad. He knew his dad was getting in his age. And he kept thinking, I'm going to take the time. I'm going to take the time to reestablish that relationship. But the son kept putting it off. Let us pray. Lord God, I humbly come before your throne. I ask to cleanse me from anything that would separate. And Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit words be spoken here. Not my words, but yours. Hide me behind the cross. Soften the hearts. And Lord, may it touch someone today. We praise you because you're a faithful God. Amen. Today we're going to look at Peter. And some of the things about Peter, Peter's true name was Simon. He was a follower of John the Baptist. He was a fisherman. He was an apostle. He was rough around the edges. He was self-confident. He let his emotions get the best of him sometimes, got him in trouble. Sounds like someone I know. I can remember working with Pastor Don, and when he would get aggravated with me, he would say, Peter. And I would look at him. I didn't understand back then what he was saying to me. I do now. Christ called Peter, and he said, follow me. I will teach you how to fish. I will teach you how to fish for people. 
I will be your mentor. I will care for you. I will guide you. And Peter left everything he had in life, his livelihood, his family, and he followed Christ. See, Jesus knew underneath all that exterior, with all that baggage, Peter was loyal. He was solid. He was someone you could get in the trenches with. And under all that roughness, Peter cared. See, Peter had a heart, a big heart. I would, I, I didn't know whether to bring this up or not, but we've lost a couple great leaders this week. And they were all so solid. And I like to say, we lost a great senator in John McCain. For those who were in the service will understand maybe a little bit more. But Senator McCain was loved by many. He was a leader among leaders. And when I look at Peter, and I looked at Senator McCain, I see both men had three traits. They were men of principle. They were men of conviction. And they had courage. They tried to release Senator McCain early because his father was an admiral and he refused. So his treatment got worse. He was tortured even more. But listen to this. We studied about Peter this week in prison and how he let out in singing and he let out in telling about Jesus. Senator McCain did that also in the prison of war camp. He recited scriptures from memory. He let out and given thanks for the God that we have. Our country will miss the great senator from Arizona. We see in Matthew 14, 28 to 31, if you like to follow me, I'm out scriptures, so you might want to have your weapon available. Peter had courage and faith. He looked out on the water and he saw Christ. Jesus, is this you? If so, command me to walk to you. Command me to walk on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter, as he was walking on the water, approaching Jesus, he began to be distracted. See, the waves begin to crash around him. The wind began to hollow. And Peter began to doubt. He began to struggle. He began to have hesitations. Uncertainty took over. And he took his eyes off Jesus. I want to ask, do we sometimes dwell more of the adversity and trouble around us than we dwell on Christ? I want you to take a journey with me in the life of Peter. See, Peter was part of the inner circle. Yes, Jesus loves everybody. But Jesus also had a special group. In Mark 5, 35 to 43, we see Peter, James, and John was with Jesus at the house of Jared. Jesus brought his daughter back. Peter was also with Jesus at the... He witnessed the transfiguration. And he also was one of the three at the Garden of Gethsemane. As we move along in John 13 to 36 to 38, we see Jesus 
And he's talking with Peter. And Peter says, I know you're leaving. I know you're headed out. I know you're going somewhere. I want to go with you. And Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Where I am going, you cannot follow me, Peter. Lord, why can't I follow you? I'll lay down my life for you. And Peter meant it. See, sometimes we say things in our own mind, in our own hearts, in our own self-confidence. We mean it also just like Peter. How many times have we spoke and had the intentions? We also don't know ourselves, do we? And with sadness, Jesus looked at Peter. Will you, Peter? Will you lay your life down for me? I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you deny me three times. And we move forward to John 18, 10 and 11. We see Judas has already betrayed Christ. They have come to take Jesus away. And Peter takes things into his own hands, thinking it was the right thing to do, only to learn that he was standing in the way of Christ's wishes. What does Peter do? He draws a sword. He cuts off the ear of a priest's servant. Don't you know, Jesus, all he had to do was ask for a legion and they would have been by his side? And Jesus looked at Peter. Shall I not drink of the cup that the Father has given me? How many times have we cut off the ears of a non-believer? They don't live up to our standards. They don't think like we do. They don't believe like we do. Or worse, how many times have we heard a member of our own congregation or even our loved ones? Maybe not with a sword, maybe not physical, but with a word or a look. We believed it was the right thing to do. And it hurt. And it cuts to the heart. And I might add, a word can scar. And it can last a lifetime. Later on, we see Peter in John 18, 15. Jesus was captured. And I want you to watch this. Peter follows from a distance. See, Peter's upset. Jesus has allowed himself to be taken. He's now embarrassed to be a Jesus follower. He questions all the things he believes in. Can you remember the time when you begin to question? Have you ever been embarrassed of Christ? Have you questioned the whole thing of being a follower? Have you followed from a distance? Not really wanting others to know you're a Christian? Maybe at the office party? Maybe boy or girl night out? Maybe at a business meeting? Maybe in a college dorm? Or a cafeteria? You didn't really say anything. You didn't deny Christ. You just followed a little bit from the distance. You were quiet. We read of Peter's denial and the desires of ages, and it paints a picture of Peter mingling carelessly with the crowd, hoping to be taken in as one of them, 
He wanted to be one of the boys. He didn't want to stand out. He just wanted to fit in. And a woman at the door saw Peter. Peter came in with John. And it says Peter had a look of dejection on his face. And she said, Art thou also one of this man's disciples? Peter did not just look at the woman, but anger grows up inside him. Woman, I don't know this man, and why are you talking to me? And the attention was given to Peter the second time. And the second denial was charged with being a follower of Christ. And again, Peter says, I don't know Jesus. Why don't you just leave me alone? And the third denial, Peter became even more vocal, more aggravated. This time it was one of the servants of the high priest who was near Peter when he cut the ear off. Did I not see you in the garden with him? Surely you are one of them. His denial this time was with some adjectives. Might have been a done some service time we didn't know about, but he was pretty good at cursing and swearing. And when he finished, the rooster crowed. This was the same Peter back in John 13, 37, a few hours ago, would go to prison. He would even die for the Lord. I will never leave you he realized with bitter grief how well the Lord knew his strength and weaknesses. It dawned on Peter. See, our salvation is Christ's main objective. He knows what circumstances we need in our life. He brings us to our knees in adversity, so we'll depend upon him. And when under pressure, different circumstances... Our reactions are not sometimes what we would expect. I was a surprise. My granddaughter and I just took a concealed weapon course. I didn't want her in this world driving without protection. And one of the examples of her reactions under stress was in an FBI report that 65%, listen to this, 65%, and Mike, you might relate to this, of shooting within six feet will miss the intended victim, even by professionals. When pressure happens and conditions change, our reactions are not what we have expected or trained for. Under duress, we see our true self. Under duress, our hearts rises up. See, the Lord knows our true heart. And even you and I don't know it. I love Jeremiah 17, 9, because it's very specific. It says the heart is deceitful. Above all things, it's wicked. Who can know it? Not only did Peter abandon Jesus in the time of need, he denied Christ three times. He didn't even know him. Peter needed a new beginning. There might be some out here today that need a new beginning. And sometimes a new beginning can be painful. It can hurt, as we see with Peter. 
Because during that time, Peter's eyes were drawn to his master. And the look of Jesus, the look of Jesus showed sorrow. It showed hurt. It showed heartbreak. Jesus had no anger. He only had compassion. In the sight of Jesus' pale and suffering face with a look of forgiveness broke Peter. He realized at that moment the death of which he has fallen. Brothers and sisters, what love can do is more than anger or harsh words will ever accomplish. And Peter recalled But Jesus spoke to him. He said, Simon, Simon, Peter, Satan desires to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. Jesus prayed for Peter that thy faith fails not. Luke 22, 31 to 32. Peter, who is overwhelmed with guilt, overwhelmed with emotions, went out. His heart was broken, and he wept. See, men cannot understand its errors. It's by beholding Christ. It's by prayers, by communication, and humbleness. We see our weakness. We see our poverty. We see our defects. If we are ever to be saved, it will not be through our goodness. It will be as how many sang today, the blood of Christ. It will be through Christ, Christ's grace. We are not saved, brothers and sisters, by reform, by correcting this or that bad habit, hoping this way we become a Christian. Our first work in a relationship with God and with Christ is through the heart. Peter, just like some of us here today, need a new beginning. He needed a change in his heart. You remember? I want you to go back with me. I want you to go back. When you first fell in love with Jesus, you couldn't wait. You surrendered everything. You couldn't wait to talk to Him. You couldn't wait to get to the Bible and open it up and read the Scriptures. You couldn't wait to sit with Jesus. Yes, in a lot of ways we have become like Peter, maybe. We don't deny Jesus vocally, do we? But our actions are speaking louder than our words. See, we can't find the time in this busy world. We're so caught up in it. We're so caught up and we're so busy doing good. We don't have the time. And just like Peter, we forget sometimes who's in control, don't we? Just like Peter, we overstep our limited authority. I got some good news, though. God continues to work with us. God continues to love us. 
And despite of our human moral weaknesses with all our baggages, he still gave his life for us. I love Luke 5.32. You might want to write that down. I have come not to call those who think they are righteous, but I have come for the sinners and the need to repent. See, Jesus came for you and I. Our life is a process. Our journey is all in different phases of the journey of sanctification. And I am here to let you know sanctification is a lifelong journey. And remember when the devil tells you you're a sinner, you can't be forgiven, you have too much baggage, you didn't so many things. I'm here to tell you there's not an offense that God can't forgive you of. The jailer, we just studied it with Paul in Acts 16, 31. What must I do to be saved? Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent. And then it goes on to the next phase in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Why? Because my grace is sufficient. And here's the promise in Philippians 1, 6. What I have begun in you, I will be what? Faithful and complete. See, Jesus didn't come when Jesus came on this earth. He didn't come to those who were learned. He didn't go to the school of the prophets. He didn't go to the leaders of Israel. But He came to the humble. The humble enough to receive the message. Not those who already knew everything. Not those who had an answer for every question, a sermon behind it. He came for us. In John 2, 22 to 10, it's, it's a story of Christ being crucified. Peter's been with Jesus for three years. He's walked with Jesus. He supped with Jesus. He hung out with Jesus. And understand why. Why Christ had to be crucified. Why Christ had to die. Didn't understand that Christ was going to raise up that third day. Three years, Jesus has been talking to his disciples. Man, I don't feel so bad. says, when she talks to me, I have selected her. I only understand what I want to. And then afterwards, I realized what she said was pretty accurate. And normally, I'm too late. And I end up on a couch. And I've been together with her for 27 years. I think Peter and I are going to get along just fine. I can't wait to meet Peter in heaven. But at this moment in Peter's life, He's discouraged. He's sad. What do we do when we get discouraged? What do we do when we get sad? What do we, get, what do, we do when we have a disillusion? We go back. And Peter went home. My Lord is gone. My hope is gone. Now watch Peter. He's denied Christ three times. I'm not worthy to leave. 
Can you imagine how Peter felt? The death of his pain, the death of his hurt. But even in Peter's denial of Christ, Peter loved Jesus. And after three years of a blessful fellowship, Peter was just overwhelmed with emotion. I didn't know if I was going to say this, but I think I will. I have a letter, and I'm going to read part of it. Rob wasn't Jesus. He was a good friend. We hung out for six years. Unconsciously, sometimes I look up at the sound booth. I had a filet love for my brother, a brotherly love. And yes, sometimes, some days, I feel overwhelmed. See, Peter missed Jesus. We as a family miss Rob. I have a letter from his family, and I will just read part of it. Please thank all the people for their kindness, for caring, for being a family to rob away from a family. I want us to go to John 21, 1-7. This is the amazing love, the amazing love that the Lord had for Peter. This is the amazing love in these seven verses that Jesus has for you and me. Jesus felt the pain of Peter. And he wasn't waiting for him to return to the synagogue. He wasn't waiting for him to walk through these doors. He wasn't waiting for Peter to work things out. Jesus showed himself to the disciples. He went to where they were at. And at first, his disciples didn't recognize him. Jesus goes where he's needed. Would you say amen? Jesus knew Peter needed a new beginning. The disciples were together. They were all feeling like they didn't understand. Why does Jesus himself let himself be taken? Why did Jesus let himself suffer? Worse, why did Jesus die? We miss our friend. We miss our teacher. We miss Jesus. And Peter does what we all do when we sink into despair or discouragement. We head back to what we know. We go back to our roots. Back to our friends. Back to what's comfortable. Back even to our old lifestyle. Someone here today knows what I'm talking about. Like Peter, in his walk with Christ, he couldn't understand. He couldn't meet the standards that were set. He was discouraged. I can't live this Christian life any longer. I need to go back to what's comfortable. I need to go back to my old ways, my friends. You go back. 
And when you get there, you're not accepted. You're just, it's just not the same, is it? And why? Go back to our scripture reading today on 2 Corinthians 5.17. It will explain it to you. You've changed. You're a new creature. The old things have passed away. You don't fit any longer. You're different. I remember laying in bed, and I'm picking on you, honey, but don't, don't, don't burn my lunch. Uh, I am hungry. Uh, and this is true. This is probably two years after I gave my life to Christ. She rolled over to me, and she said, what have they done with my husband? Now, luckily, that was in a positive way. Peter said, let's go fishing. And the one thing a fisherman hates, anybody else here fish? I do. If you fish, the one thing you hate is when you catch nothing. And that's exactly what happened. They fished all night and they caught nothing. And I'm going to tell you a story. Have you ever sold? Have you ever continued to serve Christ? And you didn't know if you were going to make a difference in someone's life? Not for you, but for Christ. You didn't know if you accomplished anything, not for you, but for Christ, for his kingdom. I was in one of those moments. And I was feeling, am I really doing anything? Am I making a difference in someone's life? And I remember getting on my knees and I remember crying out. I feel, Lord, like I'm just doing the motion. And it wasn't. This is an amazing God that we serve. And it wasn't two hours later I got a phone call. And on the other end of the phone was a mother. And the mother said, I just want you to know the impact that you made on my son. I remember getting on my knees with tears rolling down. Not for what I've done, for what God has done using somebody as unworthy as myself. We see Jesus is on the shore, and they don't recognize him. And many times... Have we had Jesus with us and we didn't recognize? We didn't know he was there. My car turned in a circle when I was younger on a main street, pouring down rain on a wet road. Jesus was there. Thrown into the orphanage, thrown away from society. Jesus was there. I felt my body leave in my young days my spirit leave my body, and I actually saw an angel. And it said, the time is not now. Jesus was there. My truck ended up in the parking lot of Tallahassee First Church. I wasn't looking. I wasn't searching. And when I realized where I was at, I was here in your parking lot. See, 
what I'm trying to tell you that Jesus cares even before you know He cares. He's already lining it up. And I think Jesus had a sense of humor. He knew what was going on out there with them fishermen. He says, men, you anything to eat? Have you caught any fish? Are you having a good time? Have they played your favorite song yet? No. The net on the right side. And I can see Peter. Who is this guy? You, I fished all night, and now you want me to throw my net? If you insist. See? There's a good parable in this. The right side is the side of faith. In a spirit of prophecy, it says, if we labor, don't miss this, because this is what it's all about. If we labor in connection with Him, in His divine power, with human effort, we cannot fail. In their own effort all night long, they caught nothing. But when they combined it with the power of Jesus, the nets were filled. The nets are loaded. That's when John realizes it's Jesus. Peter is Jesus. And Peter was fishing in his box of shorts and he had to put his robe on and he dives in and he couldn't wait to see Jesus. He wanted to talk with his teacher. He wanted to visit with him again. Something didn't make sense to me there. Here's Peter, ashamed. Here's Peter, depressed. Here's Peter back in his old element. Here's Peter carrying the burden of denial. And he couldn't wait. He dives in. He couldn't wait to see Jesus. This up and special when Jesus comes to where you're at. The disciples began to drag in the nets. It was loaded with fish. Preparations was already made to sup together. The coals were ready. They were going to fellowship like old times. Let's have some breakfast. Let's have some omelets. It was morning time. It was in Santa Barbara. They make the best finished omelets you ever had. My wife and I would love to go down to this little restaurant and she would watch me eat it. And it was good. But now I want you to watch the conversion. And this is what it's all about. This is the main meat. This is where Peter and Jesus and the new beginning begins. Peter, do you agape me? Agape is a love that is self-sacrificing. Agape is a love of God for humanity. It's the highest expression. It's the purest. It's selfless. And Peter answered, I fillet you. Phileo means I have a deep friendship. I have a brotherly love. And Jesus, the second time, Peter 
Do you agape me? And Peter answers, yes, Lord, I phileo you. I have a brotherly love for you. Then feed my sheep. And then Jesus asked Peter the third time, don't miss this. He said, Peter, do you phileo me? Peter, do you have that brotherly love for me? Peter, are you sure you're my friend? And with Peter, with tears in his eyes, I could see, Lord, you know everything. I've denied you three times. You know, I don't even trust myself any longer. You're the only one who knows if I'm your friend or not. You ask if I agape you. I've already failed you. I can't agape you. I don't have that kind of higher love. But I know deep down, you're my friend. Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, take care of my sheep. Peter now was better prepared than ever to lead. Peter had the love of Jesus in his heart. See, Peter in the beginning loved Jesus as a man. He loved Jesus as a teacher. He loved Jesus because he believed he was heaven sent. But now he loved Christ as God. In the desire of ages, you can have, it says you can have on page 476, you can have all the knowledge, all the eloquence, all the gratitude, all the seal, and it's all good. But if you don't have the love of Jesus in your heart, it won't amount to nothing. And he's doing the same for you and I. We're not perfect. We can't walk on water. Somebody already is perfect. Jesus is perfect. He's the only one I know that is perfect. There's already somebody who can walk on water. And there's Jesus with a kagapi love for us. Saying, come to me in your brokenness. Come to me as you are. Come to me. Let's have a new beginning. You remember the story where the son kept putting it off? Wanted to have that relationship with his dad, but he's waited too long. He received a letter in the mail. His father passed away. And he left the son the entire estate. This is a true story, by the way. So he drives up to the estate. We grew up. We played in the front lawn. And all the memories be coming back to him. And he began to think of all the family gatherings that were lost. All the birthdays that weren't celebrating, celebrated. All the celebrations. All the memories that weren't made. And a deep pain came on him. And with a tear in his hot eyes, he had this regret. And as he began the process of going through his father's important papers, he saw that Bible. Right sitting where it was at. Terry began to pour out. He turned the pages. And he came to Matthew 6.33. His father highlighted it. Seek the kingdom of God and all this righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And as he read them words, a set of keys dropped out of that Bible. 
He picked it up. And on that tag, it had the same dealership where that sports car was. It had the date of his graduation. And in big, bold letters, paid in full. Christ has paid the price at Calvary. And he paid it in full for you and I. And sometimes it doesn't seem that Christ has answered our prayers. Sometimes it doesn't seem, let's be real, that he's answered our desires. You feel that for the promises that haven't been fulfilled, his commandments are overwhelming. His blessings don't meet our approvals. We're not understanding. We're not willing to open up the gift. We just unwrap it. We set it aside at the end table. This young man gained earthly treasures. In so doing, he sacrificed the most valuable treasure given. He walked through life, not realizing that Christ has given us everything. Inside the gift that sits at the end of the table are the keys of life. It turns our heart. That's attached to the motor that runs our engine, our mind. That handles the steering wheel. That gives us a direction to where we're headed. And it's all right there. It's all in the pages of those words. Brothers and sisters, my appeal to you is don't wait. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. We've seen it with our brother Rob. Don't wait to open up the gift. It's been paid for. Amen.